I know that I'm getting old, but at the start of the El Tour de Tucson in November, I saw a rider fully decked out in the Jumbo Visma kit, and I didn't know right away who it was. Luckily, I scanned his bike frame, his number, the back of his jersey, and soon I realized that it was not Jonas Venigo, but it was Colby Simmons from the USA. He impressed me very much that day, so we just had to get him on the podcast to start the year off right. Now, on to the show with Colby. Hello, Colby Simmons, and welcome to Bobby and Jens. Hello, thanks for having me. Well, first off, thanks for finding the time to join us today, and I'm sure you're busy with your winter training preparations, but uh, where are you at the moment? I'm in Tucson, Arizona, down here training, training in the sun. So let's get this right out of the way. You are the younger brother, Quinn Simmons, from Trek Segafredo, right? This interview is about you, not about your brother, but we had to mention it. He's two years older than you. It's probably nice to have somebody maybe paving the way for you a little bit. Tell us just a little bit about your relationship with Quinn. Training together, want to live together next year somewhere, or tell us a little bit about it. Uh, yeah, me and Quinn, we definitely have a pretty good relationship. Um, we've trained trained together for, for a pretty long time now, and um, this year... I was lucky enough to stay some time in um, Girona, Spain with him where he has his place where he's based out of. So we were there training some together. And yeah, we've been training since I can remember. So about 12 and in training, he definitely makes me push myself. And yeah, it's, it's a good training partner to have. Well, dang. I mean, I was raised in, in Colorado and I got into cycling as cross training for ski racing. What was your introduction to the sport? Did it have anything to do with uh, skiing? Um, yeah, when I was definitely younger, we skied like quite a bit. Like the weekends were always at the ski resort, but never really got into ski racing so much. But um, yeah, but being from Colorado, you definitely ski quite a bit, and we do some backcountry skiing as some cross training for for cycling early in the season. Uh, so, what's in the water there in Durango? Both you and your brother grew up there, plus Zeb Kuss, and I think at least for a while, uh, Bob Roll used to live there as well. So what is it that there are so many talented cyclists coming from there? Is there a little cycling community there, or what is it? Um, yeah, I would definitely say it's the cycling community. Like We have quite a few group rides every, every week, and I think um, that definitely helps. And then you have quite a few um, like clubs. That you do when you're when at least when I was younger, I was in a club called Durango Devo, and then that really like sparked my interest into cycling. And then also, like I mentioned, you have the group rides, and then that's where I really found my love for for road biking and just like riding and riding in the group with um with Quinn and with like Ned Overin and the bigger names out of yeah Colorado. Gosh, Ned Overin. Gosh, we have to have him on the podcast, Yenzi. Dang, forgot about the guy. Total legend, total legend. But Colby, we met this year at El Tour of Tucson. And um, I, I will say that we briefly met because I was, I was back in the Peloton crystal cranking as much as I could, staying hidden the, the whole time on the wheels. You were up there pounding on the front the whole time and even had enough at the finish to, to finish fourth. 
what's your connection to Tucson and how strong is your dad? He was in that same event with us. Oh, yeah. So my um, connection with Tucson is we've been coming down here for about four years now and my grandparents live here. And then in the winter, as you know, in Colorado, it's not not the ideal training condition. So just being able to come down here and be in the sun and just enjoy training, not in the miserable cold is, yeah, it's just, that's super sweet. And then my dad, yeah, he's, he's definitely the reason really why me and Quinn got into cycling, I would say. And he, um, yeah, was just a good, good role model and, and how to suffer. And he's still, still, I don't know why he does it, but he definitely, definitely still likes to suffer. And he's, yeah, like you said, on the, in Tucson, on, um, what was the name? Yeah. At that, at that event, he was, uh, yeah, he's still going, going strong. <laughs> so junior national champ in 2021, but then uh, missing a few years or at least a year with that uh, COVID situation. Um, what was it that you got on the radar of Jumbo Visma? What was the connection there that they got interested in you? Um, tell us a little bit about that. Um, so, yeah, in 2021, was junior national champion. And then um, before that, I got in contact with them through my through my agent who's also Sepp Kusa's agent so that there was the connection there and he already had the connection with Yumbo and then just um got got talking to them after I won nationals and then went on and spent about three months right after nationals in Europe just racing and then got got to meet up with them over in Europe and then uh yeah one thing led to another it was a good connection and then I enjoyed what I saw with the team and yeah here we are wow that that just reminds me I was um my first ever race to in Europe was the junior Dusica tour in 1988 and let me tell you that that was quite an exciting trip and obviously a big step for me but when we got to the hotel uh we didn't have our bikes and all of a sudden we saw these kids that looked our age running around with all these orange shirts on. And it turned out that it was the Dutch national team. And there were riders, uh, there were four riders in the race. So it was Eric Decker, Richard Gronendahl, and Gerald, uh, Gerald Kemper. I cannot remember the name of the, the fourth guy, but they were so great. They spoke English, so it made us feel at home. Um, how are you fitting into a Dutch organization? Oh yeah, for me it was actually uh, like uh, fit in right away because everybody on the team speaks English, which is like that's that's that was key for me because I don't yeah I don't know any Dutch, and then everybody everybody's super welcoming and they understand that I'm from from the U.S. So it's a little different for me to come over there and then I'm away from home, and they yeah and the team understands that so they're like they're always looking out for me. So. I know you're still young and you probably have still time to develop, but looking at yourself, what sort of rider do you consider yourself? Time trialer, breakaway specialist with a good punch, climber, GC maybe in the future, or where do you want to go? Um, yeah, I would say as of right now, I see myself as more yeah, like a punchy rider because I'm not, I'm not super heavy and I'm not super light. I'm kind of just in the middle right there. And then I found that in races this season, that that was kind of more, more my specialty was when it was like two minute long climbs. I would say I could, 
I could do do better than when it was like say twenty minute long climbs and yeah. Well, I mean, you have to feel like you've hit the lottery being associated with the super team of the moment, Jumbo Visma. The man responsible for most of this is boss Richard Pluga. Have you had any contact with him? And if so, how would you describe him as a leader? Um, I, I haven't had too much contact with him, but actually we were just at a team camp in Norway and he was, he was also there for a little bit of it. And yeah, just super, super nice guy. And as you can see, it's with the World Tour team. It's, it's the best in the world at the moment. So definitely, he's definitely doing something right with the team. We have seen, take for example, your brother, a lot of young riders coming to the World Tour teams and almost jumping the entire under-23 category. Your brother was successful, even a pole. Uh, Pogaccia, one of these young superstars, Do you feel a bit of pressure to go the same way? Or you go, no, no, you know what? I am who I am and I take my time. I do it at my pace, step by step. Um, yeah, I definitely say there's, there's no pressure in, in the sense of jumping straight to, the, straight to the world tour. And what I learned this season is like, I, I don't, I'm definitely not, at least this season I wasn't, I didn't feel ready for it, even at the races that I was doing, the lower level. And it was like, oh yeah, this is pretty hard. Like I definitely need a, get some more miles in the legs before I jump to like even the longer races. But I mean, that's definitely the end goal is to, to end up in the world tour. But I think right now taking a little slower is definitely good for me. Yeah. Everyone develops at, at different times and at their own pace. So uh, be patient, young Padawan. But you mentioned something about a, a team camp in Norway. Tell us a little bit about that because it had to have been something similar to what we used to do at Team CSC with uh, B.S. Christensen, some sort of team building. Uh, what sort of activities did you guys do at your training camp in Norway? Yeah, it's definitely like based around team building and getting to know the new guys on the team and then just like everybody getting comfortable with each other. But then you still have, um, we did quite a bit of skate skiing there. So it's still like, we're still... They're trying to get some fitness and then we do quite a bit in the gym there. And then it's kind of like with the gym work that they gave us at the start of the season, sometimes it's new so they can show us how to properly do the, do the exercises and what we can do better. And then also yeah, yeah the main, main idea is just getting comfortable with everyone because you're going to spend quite a bit of time with them in the season. So was that the training camp, the first time you saw your new racing and training bike? So you, I guess you went to some bike fitting and all that. Did you have time, I mean, in Norway, go on the road to try your bike on like real life conditions, not just a home trainer, but like on the road or was it too icy, too much snow? Or in other way, can't you not just wait to get home to try that new bike? Yeah, so we didn't didn't spend any any time on the bike, for sure. Yeah, the, the conditions aren't an ideal it's pretty pretty cold there but yeah i would say definitely so we were there two weeks and it definitely makes you like really anxious by the end of it to get back on your bike and you're super motivated to get home and yeah, like you said we we got the new bikes with like the new components and new shoes and it's all like they're super anxious to try try this new stuff out you know yenzi i'm sure you remember as well those those training camps when you'd walk into your room and it was like christmas right? There was just boxes and boxes of gear and swag. And at the beginning, you were just so excited. And I, I, 
I've kept a lot of that stuff over the years, especially from from um, my first real uh, professional team, Motorola. But year by year, you give it away or, or whatnot. But enjoy that moment now because the older you get, the the more, I guess, used to it that you get. And you walk in and the first thing I would think of towards the end of my career is, how am I going to get this all home? And I had a nice little small house in, in East France that didn't have many cupboards and, and closets and stuff like that. And I'm like, where am I going to put all this stuff? And now that it's all over and I've been retired for so long, I do feel if I get like, you know, a, a winter kit from Hincapi Sportswear, I'm like, I feel like you probably did um, there at Jumbo Visma camp. Do you guys get all your stuff at this training camp and have to take it home for the season? Or do they kind of send it to you in, in waves throughout the season? Um, yeah, it's kind of kind of in waves, which is yeah good for me. Like you said, having to take it all home and then have it for like the early season, then take it back. Europe isn't isn't super ideal, but yeah, it's like like you said, it definitely is. It is like Christmas when you get everything. It's like oh, this is really sweet because like last year as a junior, you you get you get some kit on your junior team, but it's it's definitely not the same. And it's like oh, this is this is awesome. And believe me, this will never get old. Getting new kit, getting new bikes. I was like a kid at Christmas. Every time what get new stuff. And one tip maybe every now and then just pinch yourself when you complain about the weather or whatever, you don't feel good. Just pinch yourself and tell yourself, okay, I am one of the few lucky ones on this entire planet who had the chance to turn my passion into my profession, right? Never forget, there's maybe 1% of the entire world's population that actually loves the job they do. So do it as long as you can. But off to the next question. So um, what are the key things that you concentrate on in order to plan your season or plan your workout or work your plan for next year for the upcoming training sessions? Um, so this year, we definitely, with, with my coaches, we learned kind of like what races work better for me. And then that was kind of a new, new going into it last year. And so this year, we have a better idea of what works for me training-wise. And then um, so I, I definitely changed my training quite a bit when I first started with the team to now because I, we figured out that, yeah, this, these intervals work better for me and then like maybe longer rides and yeah getting getting back to that clothing though i must say it's getting cooler and cooler um you know i had no real idea who you were at el toro tucson until you know i see this kid roll up next to me in the crosswinds with the full kit on and then the first thing that you do out of habit is like okay but does this guy have the bike and you obviously had the bike so i'm like man, you know, I got to introduce myself to this kid. But luckily on the new clothing, it has like your name on the, on the clothing. And I, I think it was like maybe behind your neck or something like that. And then I looked down on your bike and you had the little sticker on your bike and I'm like, okay, this, this is Colby, but yeah, clothing, clothing has changed a lot. And, um, it's, it's just great that you guys are getting taken care of the way that you're getting taken care of. But, you know, these, these are exciting times for you. Um, you mentioned about your junior um, upbringing, your junior team. What junior team did you race for that kind of paved your way for this this kind of transitional step that you're in on the Jumbo Visma development team? Um, yeah, so I raced for Lux, Lux Cycling. 
and it was um, a junior team based out of California, and it, um, the director for that was Roy Nickman. And then I would say that that, that pretty much also for Quinn, he, he started there on Lux, and then he was on it, and then that kind of got my name in contact with Roy because he was on it, and then one thing led to another, and then I was on it, and then I think we raced about three months in Europe with them, and then that really opened my eyes to how how different the racing in Europe is, even as a junior is, and how much more aggressive you have to be, and then yeah, it's just just way harder. So I think yeah, without without Lux, I wouldn't I wouldn't be on on Yumbo today for sure. Um, just a quick question back to that training camp. Was it with the entire team or just the development team? Just the development team. Ah, right then. Okay, so we are about, what, 25 people there in total? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, good, good. So you had time to focus on your own business. Okay. Yeah. Well, tell us tell us a little bit about those differences that you noticed, because it's been a long time since Jens and I raced juniors um, or youth 23 uh, races. What are some of those differences that you, you referred to earlier between racing in America and racing over in Europe? So in, in the U.S., you kind of have, like, the idea, I would say, when you're a junior, like, you're just, you're going to race, like, the last probably, like, 20K to the finish because you want to save all your energy. And you just, so most of the time, most of the races I did, it ended up just, like, coming into the finish with the group. And then in Europe, you really don't have that. It'd be, like, constantly attacking from the start and then just, like, bumping more, I would say. And then just like everybody, everybody is wanting to, to make it, I guess, like to a good E23 team in Europe. And that's like what they're set on. So they're just like, I'm either doing this or, or nothing. So they, yeah, they really, really up it, up it in Europe. And then in, in, in the US, I would say it's just more, more people doing it for fun and less, less people looking at like, this is going to be my career. And yeah. And um, are you okay with the distances? Now you're still young and uh, you just finished uh, junior racing. Um, are you okay with the longer distances now? Is you feel better towards the last hour or you go, oh, I still need a bit more endurance miles, a bit more go power in the last hour of racing? Or how do you feel about that? Um, yeah, that was definitely something that was different at the start of the year that I found from juniors was I was like, oh yeah, I can, I feel really good for say the first three hours. But then into that last four-hour range, I kind of not struggle, but like would feel like not as not as punchy. And then come come the finish, I'll definitely I wouldn't even have the sprint like I did in juniors. So and then that's like I said with um, the training, we tra we changed my training quite a bit to where you have your longer longer efforts and then just longer miles, and then you do instead of say. You do your efforts at the start of your ride. You do it at the end. So then you're kind of simulating when like the race gets hard towards the last, say, 20K. Then you're you're there for that. And I think that's that's something that really helped me. I'm definitely definitely still working on on improving with the longer distance. Like it's definitely something that I yeah have work to do on. Back in our day, anything new or different was frowned upon. I mean, just ask Jens about my osymmetric rings or my, my camelback. He used to make fun of me for, for all that stuff. And then when I'd look at my files and then, you know, use training peaks, um, you know, he didn't like that sort of stuff. But your generation was born 
with this technology. You probably had a power meter on your, your first ever bike and that stuff is stock standard these days. So I'd be interested to hear from your perspective, what technical pieces do you use the most and that you feel are the most beneficial for a just turned 19 year old kid on a development team? Um, yeah. So, so like you said, with the power meter, like that's, I think that's the main thing that you look at for in training. Cause it's the most exact measurement and you also also have your heart rate but i don't look at that as much as power and then just you have like on yeah like you said on training peaks you have your your set your set power numbers and then it's super super dialed and then also something newer for me is now i um track my sleep so that's a new thing and then that also goes into into training peaks so that's really really helped me realize that in order to train better, I need to be sleeping better because I wouldn't, I wouldn't really focus on that. And now, now that you have tools, all these different tools, you definitely can dial in everything before race day. Well, now we talked a little bit about science and all that and training programs. The diet is part of that as well. Did they give you tips or you're, you are already pretty good with your diet? Um, or you go, it's so hard to say no to burgers now. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it's like on the team, it's not super, like, obviously, you know, like what's healthy, what's not healthy. And we do, we do have a nutritionist who helps. And it's like, if, if say you're, you're struggling with, um, with like hydration or something on the bike, you can reach out to the nutritionist and they're, they're super helpful. And I think for me, like I find, um, it's most beneficial to not, like super concentrate on like like say weighing my food and that sort of thing kind of just knowing that yeah this is this is healthy and this is the right amount to eat and not focusing on it too much because then then i felt feel like that could then kind of get in my head but yeah the that's yeah, super super beneficial being on yeah on a team like yumbo who, who has these tools that can help you with yeah all aspects Plus, you're 19. Your metabolism is is off the charts. I remember when I was close to your age, maybe a little bit older. Uh, one of the older riders, we went out to dinner, and this is when I was racing in America, and the Sizzler Steakhouse. Jens, have you ever been to the Sizzler Steakhouse? Yes, I did. Let's just say cyclists can put that sort of place out of business. And his advice to me was because you know you got the salad bar you got the main entry entree bar and then you got the dessert bar and i was just like you know gosh you know how much should i eat and he said bobby if you can walk away comfortably from the dinner table you didn't eat enough and i i honestly did that i mean we would all walk out of there holding our stomachs like oh and it was all <laughs> just you know so easy back then and things have gotten a lot more technical from that nutritional side. But uh, yeah, definitely take your time with that. You don't want to be crazy because that that that's a slippery slope when you start weighing your food and, and all that stuff. And you got plenty of time to, to learn that sort of stuff. But um, so we had Philippe Gilbert on the podcast a few weeks ago, and he said that he used to watch races and study the riders in order to come up with new tactics and, and um, just kind of read the riders' faces. I was wondering, do you watch races on TV when you're not racing in order to kind of pick up these little tidbits? Um, yeah, I definitely definitely watch quite a bit of racing. And then, yeah, you can definitely, it's pretty interesting how much you can learn from like 
the tactics of riders from watching them yeah, on, on TV. So now the entire new season lays ahead of you. Your season is like a clean white sheet laying down. Right now you take a pen and you write down on that white sheet in your dream what would make this coming year or this year, what would make it a good year for you? Certain races you want to do well or certain power numbers you want to hit or what would make the season that you go back home and go, that was good, that was good? Um, yeah, I think, I think like obviously this, this season for me was more, more about learning. And then I, I wouldn't say I have a certain race picked out that I would like to win at the moment, but I, I think winning a race obviously wouldn't, wouldn't be bad. And then always like going into each year, you want to improve on your power numbers. And then I think, yeah, it's just improving those numbers would be always good. And then, yeah. But I would say if I was, was to win one race this year, it would be, would be pretty sweet to win nationals. Yeah. Just cause you then have the, then you have your, your stars and stripes Jersey and then, yeah, I can't beat that. And we'll be right back after this short break. Well, man, you mentioned two things that I have to ask you about. So first, so was it last year that you participated in the elite national championships and then also did the under 23? Yeah, yeah. Or I guess it would yeah. be, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe the other way around. But power numbers. Now you're talking. Now you're talking. Now, now you got my interest. So you just turned 19 years old. You're you're racing for Jumbo Visma development team. What is your functional threshold, power threshold, whatever you want to call it these days? What is that number that you're setting all your training off of? Well, that's I, that's a good. I don't even. I don't know the exact number. I just know know my my coach knows ish. that ish ish. So threshold, it's probably around, um, it's a good question. Um, let's say around like 390, somewhere in there for, for threshold, 400, some roughly, somewhere. Okay, okay. Who's your coach? I'm going to have to call him up. Um, his, his name's Robert DeGroote. I'm probably, I definitely said it, said it incorrectly, but yeah. Okay, not not bad for 19 years old. Um, I used to have one that high. Not not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> Yenzi never even looked at it, so he didn't even know what FTP was. He didn't know any what a watt was, but uh, he did all right. He did all right. <laughs> um, I remember. I think Bobby, you were there. We did some intervals and. Um, The first group was too slow, so I did lead the second group to the first group, rode next to the group doing the intervals. Said, "Hey, these small little things underneath your cleats—they call pedals. You gotta push on them to in order to move forward. You are too slow." So I didn't know about what, but I knew they were going too slow in training. Um, but we can cut that out no because way. this is all it, about that you. That is Colby. awesome, Yenzi. I can't believe you remember <laughs> that. But Colby, when you're doing like zone three l3 sweet spot intervals in like team time trial formation and you have 24 guys on your team you break into three groups right but you have to keep it at that intensity so i was in that first group and we were it you know properly listening to our coach and we were doing what we were supposed to do until this nuff nuff yenzi 
comes flying up the side. And yes, we had the speed, speed, uh, speed play pedals. And he started yelling at us with like this, this steam coming out of his ears. And we're like, man, not every interval has to be max, brother. Like we're, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. But then it turned into a race and pff, all bets yeah. were off. Hey man, that. if it doesn't hurt, it's not good enough, my friend. <laughs> but yeah, looking at the, the staff that you have there, um, you have some guys that we used to race with that are now uh, assistant sport directors or, or sport directors. Um, what kind of relationship do you have like... How does that work? Do you have like a main contact as your your personal sport director, and then there's a main sport director, or is it just who's ever at the races that, um, that's kind of like your contact outside of your coach? Yeah, so we have we have like two main um, directors who who work with the development team, and then so they're either one of them, either yeah, they'll either be at at the race with you, and then um, also my coach will also come come to most of the races with us and then also with like with like staff you always have a mix of um for like soigneurs and that kind of thing it's always always somebody different and when actually is your first race um what race is it and when actually is your first race this season um my first race will be in in march like start of march and then it'll be um the Olympus Olympus tour, I believe it's called. And, and that's in, in the Netherlands. And then I don't, I'm not totally sure the rest of my schedule beyond that, but yeah. Sounds like a tough cookie to start off with. It's going to be still a little cold and wind crosswind sections. You're going to yeah, love yeah. it, my friend. Baptism of fire <laughs> at his best. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You, you still may be a little bit young. You know, I, I need to talk Olympics now because that's that's such a cool kind of aspiration to have. But you may be still a little bit young for the 2024 Olympics in Paris. Maybe not. Who knows? But the Olympics are coming back to the U.S. in in Los Angeles in 2028. Is this an objective of yours? Oh, that, I mean, I haven't even really thought about it. But I mean, of course, of course, everybody, everybody wants to go to the Olympics and that would be, that'd be, that'd be pretty sweet. Sweet one to go to, especially with it being in the U.S. But I mean, we have a long, long time till then. So anything can happen. But, but of course, that, that would be a dream to go to the Olympics. Definitely. If we are already looking into the future, would it ever be your uh your desire to race with your brother in the same team? Or you go, nah, I think it's better if we see each other at the races or we train a little bit together, but we do not spend day in, day out together in the, in the same team. What's your point of view on, on that? Uh, I think, I think that'd be, that'd be also pretty sweet being in, in the future at some point, hopefully being, being teammates. Cause like you say, when you're, when you're American racing in Europe, it's definitely kind of, kind of hard. It can be at least because you're like everything, everything's different than at home. And I think, yeah, yeah, being teammates with Quinn, that'd be, that'd also be a dream goal in the future. But if you do pick this as your profession, uh, and you kind of alluded it to there, uh, there a little bit, and I want to just follow up on that, what do you envision being that biggest challenge as a rider from the USA with aspirations of living in Europe for, you know, 10, 15 plus years? What, what are those things that your generation 
is challenged by that were perhaps a lot different than back when um, the generations before yours were, were heading over to Europe? Um, I would say just like for me, it's just it's just so new going going and living living in Europe for most of the year, and I think that it can only it can only get better from here because I'm experiencing these new things, and then I found even this year as time went on, I got more comfortable being in Europe, and I think yeah, with more years to come, I'll I'll become more comfortable, but definitely it's definitely like you don't you don't miss home. But you miss things about home that that aren't just aren't the same in Europe. Like, like I have I have the training rides that I love to do at home, and then I just can't. It's just not the same in Europe. But I'm I'm sure I'm sure that can change as I spend more time in Europe. Yeah. And have you picked up any bits of different languages, or just all the curse words in four or five different ones? Oh yeah, pretty much all the curse words in Dutch. I got I got those down pretty good. My teammates, uh, they did a good job teaching me that, but I haven't picked um, picked up any any real real like language that I can have a conversation in. But I can with with Dutch, I can kind of understand the conversation a little bit, but I couldn't definitely couldn't speak it. Like I can pick up the conversation sometimes, but yeah. Okay, what what is um, for our listeners and for Jens and I's quickly fading memory what is your favorite curse word in dutch um otfadoma otfadoma i think that's how you say it okay i do remember that one okay yeah, that's not so uh, bad. good good job good yeah job. It's, it's not it's not it's not there's there's worse but we'll, we'll keep it at that <laughs> that's a good one, good one. <laughs> i got another tricky question in the future you're in team jumbo visma racing whatever any race you're in a front group with your brother at Trexig Alfredo. You're with Jumbo Wisma plus a third rider. So it's three of you. Would you then go, look, this is my day and I need to win this race? Or would you try to make sure the race, the win stays within the family? Or you would not know any family members at this day and situation? Ooh, I think I think you'd have to keep keep the win in the family. So so if like if like say yeah, say Quinn's attacked. It depends on yeah how how you're feeling, but but yeah, definitely be definitely be. There's a little bit a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah, you gotta keep it in the family. Gotta keep it in the family. I mean, pull that radio out of your ear and you know just just get on with it, <laughs> get on with it. Yeah. But um, so we we are going to try to get your brother on next week's podcast. So. Can you give us a question that we can ask him that you know as a little brother is going to get under his skin just just a little bit because it's pretty awesome to have a brother in the same sport with the same objectives racing over in Europe. So we need a little kind of um you know get under the skin sort of question that that maybe we wouldn't know that we can put in our our notes for next week. Oof. I don't know. Um oh you could ask him if he's if he's worried about me, like if I'm catching up to him, you know, and and if he's worried about when I, when I, yeah, uh, so yeah, worried about uh, if I'm if I'm going to beat him anytime soon, which I think I think it could happen, maybe. It did happen with the Schleck brothers, the younger brother Andy, 
did win, ended up winning the Tour de France. No pressure, my yeah, friend. Yeah. <laughs> but the younger brother ended up winning the Tour de France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows. He knows. I'm, I'm, I'm coming for him. Slowly but surely, I will. I'll get there. <laughs> it's the right attitude to have, you know. Um, keep your friends close and your enemies even closer, even if that's your, <laughs> even if that's your brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so just kind of winding this down now, um, you know, it is the off season. Uh, you've gone through your, your training camp. Uh, you've got your kind of race schedule. Uh, what are those things that you miss about America? Because now you got Starbucks on every other corner, so you can't complain about not having, well, decent coffee. Um, there's more and more kind of Mexican places spread throughout Europe. What other than those those training rides, like what do you miss from being in America? Um, I would say say I miss just like um like I would just have to say like being being at home. Like it's always it's always nice being at home and then with like my teammates, they they they're able to after the race say they just go home and I'm like, Oh, that'd be that'd be kinda nice just to drive drive an hour home from the race versus but it's not it's not it's not a bad thing but i would say um i don't i don't know if there's one thing other than just just yeah just being being home and training training on the roads that i know i don't know if there's one specific thing we'll have to Alrighty, now that i'm from europe i got I am going to ask the same question the other way around. What is the one or maybe two things you look forward coming to Europe and living here? The roads, some special food, the mountains, the climate, different culture. Um, Please at least say something <laughs> to save us. I will, I will say that it is, it is nice when I, when I come to Europe and then being, just being back, being back with the team. I would say that's, that's, a, that's a big thing because when I'm home, I'm by myself and then you don't have like the support that you have with the team. And then like when I come to Europe, you have, yeah, like great support at every single race. And then that's something that's like, it's like, oh, when I, when I get off the plane back in Europe, I'm like, oh yeah, this is, this is going to be good for sure. Um, also, also I do, I do like the food, the food in Europe. There's some, there's some good, some good food. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I have an easy question for you. If you win two tickets for a concert, what singer or band would it be? Any, anything in the world, two tickets for you and your friend or girlfriend or whatever, your brother, who would you go to? Um, I would say um, the Magic, Imagine Dragons. The Magic Dragons are good. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's what I would, I would pick for sure. Yeah, I think uh, your Dutch teammates would would pick um, one of those fancy DJs over there in in the Netherlands. What was that guy back in in our times there? Uh, DJ Tiesto was that his name, Yenzi? Yep, yep, DJ Tiesto. Oh man, uh -huh. we had Stuart O'Grady and Carson Kroon in the bus, and man, it was it was great. But is it is it kind of like that in in even on the development team where I mean, you guys are eighteen to what twenty one years old. Are you guys still able to be young and, you know, have fun and let loose? Or is it already very regimented and protocol oriented? 
Oh no, I think I think we still we still manage still manage to have a good time. Like you're always you're just with yeah a bunch of kids your age, and no matter what, you're gonna find some some way to have fun. And then that's another like part for me with with going to Europe, being around kids that are are still my age. And then you're you're always gonna yeah you have things things in common. And then like you know, like you said with the music, like before the race, you're listening to like yeah they're they're Dutch music that's. That's pretty obnoxious, but but yeah, it gets you going. It's the mor- morale good. <laughs> and um, with uh, your your teammates, did they show you some music, some bands, or anything you see? Oh, I haven't seen that before. I haven't heard that, and it's actually pretty good. Or you go, nah, you stick with your stuff. I stick with my stuff. Um, I don't know exactly like the name of the artist, but they definitely have some good some good techno music that they showed me. I don't know like what they're saying in the song, but it definitely like before the race, they have some good, some good pump up music for sure. <laughs> well, Kobe, I just want to wish you, we want to wish you the best of luck along this, this twisty, windy journey that you're on to becoming the best you can be in this, this beautiful sport. But yes, I, I do hope you take the time to smell the roses and appreciate those little things. But then again, you know, You're, you're, you're young and you're going to learn the way that you want to learn. But thank you so much for coming on our episode of Bobby and Jens this week. Yeah, thank, thank you guys for having me. It was good. Well, that's all our time for this week. Huge thanks to Colby Simmons for being our guest. Thanks everyone for listening. Please give us a five-star review and don't forget to share us with your friends. The show was a value news production in association with Shock Giraffe. The producer was Mark Payne, and this episode was edited by Tim Mosser. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bobby and Jens, and share your cycling stories with us.